Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan continues our series, New Hope at the Movies, with Pig. Scripture comes from Psalm 23, 1-6, read by Mason and his mom, Sarah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He resorts my soul. I mean, he restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Uh, We're going through a series called uh, New Hope at the Movies, and we've been doing this since the beginning of July probably go through Labor Day weekend. Uh, This week, the movie we're going to look at is Pig. And uh, how many of you had puzzled looks on your face when we announced this was the movie? Yeah? Um, Came out two years ago, 2021 summer, a very small indie movie. Uh, How many of you watched it? All right. Got a couple here. We're going to watch the trailer here first. And I'll just tell you this, the trailer makes it look like a totally different movie than what it actually is, all right? But here we go. for a truffle pig. Someone stole her. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. You don't even see yourself. 
Who has my pig? So when this came out, everybody from the trailer thought it was going to be kind of like a John Wick type movie, if you've ever seen that. Uh, but it actually, when you watch it, it's actually quite a quiet movie, a very thoughtful movie. Uh, so we'll take that out right now. Don't, don't be expecting a big action-packed movie. Uh, but Pig is a good movie that can be used for a lot of different things. It could be a parable, I think, for... Um, it could be an allegory for Jesus going after the one, leaving the 99. It could be an allegory for the Lord's Supper. It could be a meditation on grief. But today what we're going to do is we're going to walk through Psalm 23 together and kind of connect that journey uh, to the journey within the movie. Because I think Psalm 23 is a celebration of God as a good shepherd, which connects with uh, Rob and his concern with his pig. Now, there's no name for the pig. You don't get a name in the movie, so that's why we're just going to keep saying pig and not have a name for the pig. So we're going to start with uh, Psalm uh, 1, verses 1 through 3. And so that's the part that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. How many of you, uh, I know this is kind of maybe old school, but I had it growing up as well because we still had what was called catechism. Uh, and we had to memorize this verse. How many of you had to memorize Psalm 23 in church? Yeah. Uh, so a lot of us, it's, it's built in us. We've re memorized it. It's part of us. So at the beginning of this movie, you see this. You see Rob with his pig living in the forest, living kind of a good life, peaceful, just going out every day looking for truffles uh, and then selling those to um, uh, his, one of his customers. And so even with the basic cabin that he has, it's pretty run down, uh, and all the... Uh, minimal things he has, he still makes this wonderful looking meal and you get an insight into who he is a little bit that there's more to him than just this because no ordinary person could make a gourmet type meal in a cabin in the middle of the woods. So we see him as life is good with his pig living out in the middle of nowhere. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As you saw in the trailer, uh, his pig gets stolen. So after his pig gets stolen, uh, his, he's a supplier for somebody in the culinary world. This, I think it's technically supposed to be Portland that this takes place in, so very foodie city. Uh, and so he, he meets with his customer, and he brings him into the city uh, to look for his pig. His truffle buyer, Amir is his name, escorts him to the city, and he re-enters this culinary world. He was a big name in the culinary world, a big chef. And it's become clear that he is a figure that people remember. And Amir will tell people, this is Rob, um, I can't remember the last name, it's in that picture, but you can't see anything in that picture. Um, but he, he would tell people that, and then all of a sudden, their face changes uh, because they know who it is. But they don't know who it is because he's been gone for 15 
years out in the woods. The first place he leads Amir to is, uh, actually second place, uh, is a underground kind of fight club. All right? Now, there's a lot of things in this movie that don't totally make sense, but it's kind of an exaggerated view of a culinary world, all right? We all know we work in different worlds. Uh, Katie said it uh, at the beginning with the PNC announcement, learning about a whole, um, I don't remember the word you used, industry that she didn't know, like basically church world. And a lot of you have your own jobs in different worlds that a lot of people that aren't in those jobs know nothing about, right? And so this is trying to do an exaggerated idea of kind of the, the cutthroatness of that world. And so he brings him to this underground fight club. And in this underground fight club, wait staff bid to beat down chefs who get some monetary reward based on how long they last. All right? But he's not getting a monetary reward. What he's doing is he's going to let somebody beat him up so that he can get more information about where his pig might be. So every new clue leads him to a different place. So we think this is, this is a moment in the film where we're primed to see Rob enact violence, righteously baptized by his quest to find his pig. But instead what happens is Rob receives the violence, right? He takes the beating. From this point forward, he assumes this role as almost a suffering servant, something that Isaiah points to in Scripture. The mysterious figure who takes on the violence of the empire for the sake of God's people. Another thing with this verse, we think about, it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you've ever seen a shepherd's staff, you know, it has the little hook on it. It was meant to be able to pull a sheep back in, but also as a uh, weapon to defend, right? Uh, from wolves and coyotes and things like that. And so this is showing us that in Psalm 23, the original ears that would hear this knew what the rod and staff meant, that it was an instrument of violence, and this was representing God's uh, righteous wrath against evil. So God has a rod and uses it to fight evil and injustice on behalf of us, for us. I knew I would do that today. Every time I bring my water bottle up, I knock it over every time. I didn't want to put it up here because it's, it's the Packers water bottle, and you all groan when I do that. So, uh, so knowing that our good shepherd carries a rod also means that we don't have to. If God is defending us from evil and injustice, we don't have to, all right? Rob is, showing, is being this, this allegory, this metaphor for Christ in this movie in that way, that he is taking on the violence uh, for us. Deep down, we see that he has a peace and stillness. There's just the steadiness in him. Nothing gets him rattled in this world. There's a couple moments of humanness that we see, but otherwise, he's very dead set on finding his pig. So eventually, he discovers, uh, actually, each time the movie creates an opportunity for violence, Rob goes the other way, the nonviolence route. Every time you think he's going to do something, it subverts the idea of redemptive violence instead with gentleness and peace. 
And redemptive violence, we could think of it this way, because in the Old Testament, it talks about an eye for an eye, right? Uh, And then in the New Testament, Jesus says, you have heard it this way, but I say, turn the other cheek. And so we usually, redemptive violence, we think sometimes we need to do that. If somebody hurt us, we need to hurt them back. But actually, that keeps the cycle of violence continuing to go. So he's breaking this cycle of violence. Eventually, Rob discovers that the pig has been taken to Portland's trendiest restaurant, run by a chef who started in the industry as a cook under Rob. And here, violence is subverted by Rob's gentleness in a bold and uncomfortable confrontation. And this is our clip we're going to show for today of him meeting that chef. What is the concept here? Um, Well, uh, we're interested in taking local ingredients uh, native to this region and and just deconstructing them. You know, making the the familiar feel foreign, thereby giving us uh, an even greater appreciation of food as a whole. This is the kind of cooking you like? It's cutting edge. It's very exciting. Exciting. I mean, everybody loves it. You like cooking it? Absolutely. Derek, what was it you always used to talk about opening? Wasn't it a pub? Everyone loves it here. This is a huge success. Why didn't you open your pub? I, 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 I don't know that I, I really wanted. Uh, I mean, it was such a long time ago. When I fired you, I asked you what you wanted to do. You said you have a few rooms upstairs. A real English pub. Did, did I, say, I say that? Yes. Nobody wants pubs around here. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a terrible investment. What was going to be your signature dish? Liver scotch eggs with a honey curry mustard. they're not real you get that right none of it is real the critics aren't real the customers aren't real because this isn't real you aren't real (laughs) okay Derek why do you care about these people they don't care about you. None of them. They don't even know you. Because you haven't shown them. Every day you'll wake up and there'll be less of you. You live your life for them and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. So he chastises his former employee for making food that is beautiful, but empty. The chef had a dream of opening a pub, a plan he abandoned in favor of chasing uh, the trendy culinary scene. 
And in this, when he says, none of them care about you, they're not real, he's, what he's doing is calling him back to his true self. Because sometimes we can become a false self out of fear that we won't be accepted and or that that's not the, what the world wants. He said, you know, nobody wants a pub around here. So he abandoned his true self and what he wanted to do, the joy that uh, his, what he wanted to do brings him. And so instead, he's playing a part and saying this is a great success, even though he himself is empty. We do that a lot too, where we try and hide our authentic selves because then we feel like we'll be accepted more, we'll be cared for and loved more. So then we put on a facade. And Rob's confronting him on this, just like Christ confronts us to be our authentic selves. Verse 5 you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So along the way, we hear about Amir's story. So you saw him sitting at the table with them. And you hear his story that his father, Darius, is another kind of, he's kind of like a mob boss in the culinary scene, which is weird. Uh, but that's the character they built up in the world they've built in this movie. Found out that Amir's mother is in a coma. And Amir has one memory of his parents uh, a, when they were truly happy together, and it was when they returned home from sharing a meal at Rob's restaurant. So this journey leads them back to Amir's dad. And he won't tell them where the pig is, but they know he knows. So when Rob learns that he's behind the pig theft, Instead of going out and buying any weapon he could use to fight him and get, get the uh, information out of him, instead he sends Amir to the local market to pick up items and he's going to cook him a meal. And while he's outside with Amir uh, at his car, he tells Amir, because he says, you know, we've kind of gone as far as we can, maybe we should just give it up. And he said, you know, I don't really need the pig uh, to find truffles. He said, you could tell by the trees. And he said, so then why are we doing this? And he said, because I love her. And that's the, the love that Christ has for us as well, that he continued to seek after us, leaving the 99 behind. So Rob and Amir go back into Amir's father's house. His name is Darius. Prepare the meal. They serve Darius. And when he picks up the wine to drink it and smells it, he remembers. Overcome by grief, he confesses to Rob the fate of the pig. He remembers because Rob made the same exact meal he made that night for him and his wife, the last time they were truly happy. And so the grief was the connection they needed, the human connection that brought out the truth. I've ruined a lot of movies for you <laughs> when we've done this, because some of them it's hard to not uh, give away what, uh, what's going on. But in this, he reveals that the pig had died in, uh, while being transported and handled. Some people weren't very gentle with the pig. And he made this nice meal, and he walks away from it all. Of course, you see a scene where he breaks down in grief, 
But this sets, I think, a scene that we don't think about much from Psalm 23. This one's always hard for us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, Allie did that for the children's message a little bit ago. Reading this in light of Jesus' last days invites us to a deeper, more uh, meaningful reading of the song in Psalm 23. Is it possible that God sets the table not only for us, but our enemies as well? Is it possible that a table is Jesus' answer to the violence of the world? I think the gospel writers certainly thought this was the case, as each of them highlighted this last supper in their gospels. Luke's version, Jesus commands the disciples to share bread and wine as his body and blood in remembrance of me. The table, which we participated in last week, quickly became a central part of Christian worship. That's what worship was with the first church. You got together for a meal together. And it didn't look like what we're doing now, singing songs, prayers, sermons, but they got together and shared a meal. It's to remind them that Jesus gave us bread and wine so that we could remember his death defeating death. In eating and drinking, we we recall how Jesus fought the powers of evil by dying. So rather than uh, exacting bloody revenge in this movie, like the trailer kind of makes it out to be, you're like, yeah, go get those people that stole your pig. He walks away. But he uses the communal act of eating as a way to call people back to their true selves. Rob uses food to restore the humanity of those he meets. And I think this is a common thread throughout the Christian story that we kind of miss a lot. I think a lot of times we, we want to avoid our humanity. We don't want to accept that we're broken. We don't want to accept that we're not perfect. So we put on different facades to kind of make ourselves look better than what we are. Going back to the creation story in Genesis, you think about Adam and Eve and the story of the fruit I think that's originally about not wanting to be human because God said it'd be the knowledge of good and evil. That's what I have. And they wanted to be more like God. We always want to be like God because it feels like it's control for us. So we don't want to be human. But Christ keeps calling us back to our own humanity. And in Rob's invitation to the various persons he meets within this film, He shares his table, and it becomes an invitation to join him as well. In sharing a meal with him, we're also invited to enjoy the table that God sets before us and our enemies. The movie Pig invites us to renounce the violence and dehumanization of empire and embrace God's gentle, peacemaking liberation instead. We can either participate in making things continually worse, or we can be different. We've talked about this in a lot of the different sermons lately in that the kingdom of God is just different. It looks different. It doesn't make sense. So for us to do things in this world that, that reflects that, it won't make sense to a lot of people. This also doesn't make sense, right? You've got to fight for your own. You've got to protect. But God's calling us for something greater. Verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I should dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Once again, you can't see the picture. (laughs) 
Um, this is him sitting in his cabin at the end of the movie, and this is kind of the last shot. It's him dwelling in his cabin after this whole ordeal, this whole journey. And this last piece in Psalm 23 basically gives us this idea of what do we have to be fearful of? We're fearful of being our authentic selves. We're fearful of going after what God is calling us to do. Why should we be fearful? Death is defeated. All will be made right in the end. God's promise is that God will be with us through it all. So why don't we live as our authentic selves? Why don't we try to love our enemies by looking out for their interests as much as our own? Jesus paints a picture of the kingdom of God as a place of abundance, but we continue to restrict and hoard. And the meal made for Darius was more effective than violence or an eye for an eye. It made that human connection, the grief that we all experience in our life, whether it's small grief, big grief, it connects us. We all understand grief when we see it. At the end of the movie, he dwells in his house, and he finally listens to a cassette tape that you see at the beginning of the movie that has his wife's voice on it. He had a wife who passed away, and that's when he moved out into the woods, which is so funny to me, not funny, but it's funny to me because I, uh, I always tell Michelle if she, would, if she would die, I would just go be a hermit in the woods with, with our, our dogs. So uh, this, this would be me, essentially, uh, if that were to happen. But we've all felt that way, right? With grief. No matter what the grief is, we're just like, we just want to get out of here, want to be in the middle of nowhere. I don't want anybody to bother me. But he listens to the cassette, and it's a reminder of goodness and mercy to have the connection he did with his wife, to have loved and to be loved. That is goodness and mercy. So what fear is keeping you from what you really care about? What fear is keeping you from being who God created you to be? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, his name's Mike, I'll often share this with him. It's a little picture I have saved in my phone from this movie where he says we don't get a lot of things to really care about. Sometimes we use it as a fun, cynical thing or, or something like that. But other times when we talk about things that are important to us, we send it back and forth because reminding ourselves that there are a few things that we really truly care about. And those are gifts and goodness and mercy from God. Well, not there yet. There are awful things that happen in life. Awful things, we do awful things to people. Injustices, there's hate. But what a gift it is to have this understanding that God will eventually take care of it, redeem it, and always making always working to make all things new, guarding us with his rod and his staff and setting the table before us in the presence of our enemies, continuing to teach us the human connection we all have with one another. So then at the end of Psalm 23, at the end of this movie, the question is basically, what do we have to fear? Amen? Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.